what in the world did we just watch? Listen, if you have a smartphone or a computer, this is a really easy app to use. Even a blind lady can use it. And that is my <laughs> tagline for this whole thing. Um, I'm just going to say two things. First of all, when we put out the paper schedule, almost within a few days, it actually has changed and isn't even really correct. Um, and so it's, it's not something that you can go back with the paper schedule and adjust and then reprint it out and give it to everybody and to keep up with the schedule. Um, so with this app, what we, I like to say it's living. So if you decline a scheduled day, I can, whoever the team leader is gets a notification and we can immediately pick somebody who's not scheduled anywhere else. The, the schedule changes and then everybody who pulls up the schedule can see that change and we know who has to be where and when. Um, it's, we have been using it in kids ministry now for a couple of months. Um, I'm sure you've noticed the, the schedule hasn't had kids ministry on there and it is working wonderfully. Um, it's super easy to switch out uh, people when, when we schedule them, when it's not convenient or a kid gets sick or something comes up. And so um, Doug and I are going to be in the back after service. If you have any questions, um, if you're confused about it, if you want us to help you get logged into the app, um, if you want us to show you around on the computer how to access your schedule, we will do all of that. We are also aware that there are one or two of you who do not have access to a computer or a smartphone. We've got that covered too. Um, I've already spoken with one that I know of. If there is anyone else and you say, I absolutely do not have access to um, a smartphone, and you're my friend on Facebook, then, we're gonna, then I'm going to teach you how to use this app. <laughs> because if you could use Facebook, you could use this app. But if you absolutely do not have a smartphone or access to a computer, please see Doug or I so that we can make sure we get you your schedule. Okay? Doug? So I'm just so thankful that, there, that the Lord put into someone's heart uh, years ago to come up with a program that can help churches manage people. Um, and help through this whole service process. You know, they built this for churches specifically, so uh, it is um, it is a very helpful tool for for us to be able to plan our services and make sure that we do things with excellence. So, one of the things I wanted to remind, and I know they just went through that about blackout days. It's so important to enter in your blackout days. That way, we don't schedule you when you are not going to be here because. Um, you know, that's important if you're not going to be here and everybody needs time away and we understand that. We just need you to put those blackout days in the, the, the tool. So along with that, you know, if you have a child who, who serves, uh, a, a young person, because we have many young people who serve who may not have email addresses, who may not um, uh, always check their calendar or know what the parents have planned for them to do. So we need you to help them set their blackout days as well. If you have a spouse who may not necessarily um, go into the tool, we need you to help um, with that spouse as well. So that if your family is going to be gone, then everybody needs to have their blackout days put in, in it, if everybody serves, of course. So that's one of the things that's really important to do so that we don't schedule you when you are um, going to be away. And then um, uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention, and I think I might have forgotten what it was. Do you recall what it was? <laughs> yes, that's what it was. So even a blind lady can do it, see? Yeah. So, yes, um, if you're scheduled 
and for some reason you cannot do it, please um, make sure that you decline because then that will notify us that we need to get someone else to fill that spot. So, you know, if you are on a shuffleboard tournament, then of course you want to decline. Um, and then, of course, accept if you're going to accept. So what happens is we get a notification, and then we're able to make sure that that space has been filled. And then, of course, as it indicated, you can go in and you can look at when you're serving. Uh, and if you have any questions, again, we will be uh, available. You can give us a call. You can see us in the back, and we'll be happy to answer any questions that you might have. So, all right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, can we thank Dasha and Doug just for their work on all of this? And excuse me, just a moment. August the 5th, block out Friesen. I'm going to be in Jamaica, Mon. Check. So I just blocked myself out from preaching, which, although that's not on here, but in worship team on August the 5th. So if I get scheduled, well, it won't happen because I've blocked myself out for that day. So. Yeah, this will get easier with time, I promise you. I've been using it for a while, and um, you know, like I said, Stasha has too, and, and the whole kids team, so it, it's going to be good. And uh, So if you get scheduled on a day that you're not going to be here, we can say, not our fault, because <laughs> you're supposed to block it out, but we'll all be able to work together on this. So thank you again for doing that. Well, here's what we're going to do the next two Sundays. I'm not going to start a new series. Um, by the way, wasn't Gone Fishing an amazing series, just as we share our faith and... Um, Real quick story. I don't have a lot of time, but I got to tell you this one. Last last Sunday, as we were as we were pre as I was preaching, um, I brought up the fact that to those who some believers as well, but non-believers who have been coming to our home and maybe they come to your home or whatever, and they notice a difference of just peace within the home. Remember, we were talking about that, and they they want to know what it is. Well, that's a great opportunity to talk about Jesus and what He's done in your life and. Uh, I just, we just had someone, we've had a lot of people in our house recently, so it won't necessarily tell who it was, but Tuesday night, um, last week, I think it was, I was just, you know, chilling out, I think it was nine o'clock at night, and my phone goes off, and I have a text on there, and it's from someone saying, you know, I'm trying to get my life together, and I just noticed when I was at your house, how peaceful you guys are, and, and I feel that, you know, I'm getting this right, I'm getting my health right, I'm getting that right, but I'm just wondering about this whole spiritual side of things, and, and should I try God out and all these type of things, and I have been able to witness for quite a while, for, well, since then, since last Tuesday, to this person just sending them things, and I'm telling you, your life lived out before the Lord, just a life of peace, a life of uh, sharing your story, it does make a difference. So keep on doing it. I just want to encourage you, keep on doing it. Um, well, today what we're going to talk about is from the convention that Stasha and I just got back from in Seattle, uh, the Foursquare convention that was out there. We had our uh, yearly uh, international convention that was there. And so what I like to do is bring some of these teachings back because we're, we're a four-square church, right? We, first of all, first and foremost, we, we preach Jesus, you know. And of course, what four-square is, we believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior, baptizer in the Holy Spirit, uh, healer, and he's our soon-coming king. So, so we believe all those things. But um, the Word of God, we, we preach a full gospel. Um, but what I wanted to do was, what is God speaking to our denomination 
Therefore, what is he speaking specifically to abundant life since we're a part of this wonderful uh, denomination? And, and of course, you guys have been here long enough to know that I don't preach denomination. I preach Jesus. And um, it just so happens that's what we're part of. Uh, so for the next two weeks, we're going to focus on some of the highlights and what God was speaking and uh, some wonderful uh, presenters that were there and they really encouraged us. You know, this is where Stasha and myself and uh, whenever they're, they're local, the other staff get to go as well. We get to go and just be encouraged and hear the word of God. And, and uh, one of the speakers that was there this, this past week, uh, this past convention, was named Ed Stetzer. You may have heard of him. Wonderful minister. And you know what? He's Baptist. What is Foursquare committed to? We are committed to worldwide interdenominational evangelism. And so it's not us Foursquare and no more. We, you know, we, obviously we have our beliefs and, and the things that we believe in. But uh, Ed is just a wonderful expositor. That's a big word, isn't it? Of God's word. And so I wanted to share what he was bringing to us as a denomination because it fits in our life. You know, go ahead. As a matter of fact, if you want to turn to um, Philippians 2, we'll be there in just a moment. When Paul was writing this letter to the Philippians, there was a major transformation that was going on uh, in history. One, you had Jesus who had just come to earth, God's son who had just come and had died for the sins of man. And there was no longer a need for offerings and sacrifices of lambs and bulls and, and all these things to make atonement for sin. So the church was uh, really just beginning. The church of Jesus was just beginning at that point. But they were discovering all these things of new life and all these things of Jesus was our sacrifice, and the people's lives were being transformed. As you read about the book of Acts, total transformation was happening with, with people in their lives. And the truth that transformed the church 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, is the same truth that transforms our lives today. The Bible was true then, the Bible is true now. Back on our wall there, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8, we know that, uh, that that's the truth. See, God has given all of us His Holy Spirit so that we can go make disciples. Gone fishing, that's what we talked about. When Jesus called His first disciples, He wasn't promising them a better life. He wasn't promising to heal their marriage. He wasn't even promising to you know, heal their diseases and sickness, although we know that was part of it. But how he drew the first disciples was, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. That was the whole goal. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And that's how he uh, called his first disciples and calls us today. When you are saved, it is to share your faith. What God has done in me, a miraculous thing. So God has given us his Holy Spirit to empower us to make disciples. Making disciples ultimately causes the person being discipled to grow in godliness. That's what we want to do. We want to grow in godliness, so one, that we please the Lord, and also that our lifestyle reflects something that non-believers want. You know, we don't, want to talk, we don't want to have all this hate going on. We don't want to have all this, you know, my life is a wreck. Now, from time to time, is our life a wreck even as believers? Do we go through hardships and trials? Absolutely. But the Bible even says this in Psalm, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. So whereas all of us may at times walk through the valley of the shadow of whatever it is, we don't fear because we have the presence of God. And other folks see that and they're like, you know what? If they're able to do it and they have the support, they have the presence of the creator of God that I'm even sure exists, then maybe it's something I should try out. Maybe it's something I could look into a little bit more. Because when we grow in godliness, when we grow in Christ, it's contagious. It really is. I experienced it 
this past uh, couple weeks ago with someone saying, I, I need to know what it is that this is all about. Well, Paul wrote to the Philippian church and gave them several principles that would cause them to have a Holy Spirit-empowered, transformed life. And so that's what we're talking about today. We're going to look at five principles of gospel transformation. I love that word gospel. You know, we, we don't, I guess we don't use it a whole lot like we used to uh, way long time ago. Uh, but the gospel is powerful. What is gospel? Good news. The good news of who Jesus is. So the good news transformation that has happened, we're going to see this in Philippians uh, today. Can we do this? Let's, let's pray this morning. Lord, we, as we're sitting here today, God, we just open up our hearts to receive of your word. May we be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit even more today in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians 2.12 we're going to go through verse uh, 15, and I want us to stay here. We're going to turn to several different places today, but always keep your finger here in Philippians 2 because we'll be coming back to it. But 2.12 says this, Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. There's a whole lot in there. We're going to get five things out of that today, okay? Probably could get a lot more, but we're just going to take five from this today. For you and I to... Live an effective life in this culture. How many of you know this culture today is just, oh, there's, who's on social media? Man, there is so much hate <laughs> in the news, on social media. There's, there's people who are hating you because you hate them, and you speak hate, and so they speak hate back. Oh, my word. And just the, the, the perverseness of our culture that's not after the heart of God. We have to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit to even live in this culture. We really do because it can get us down. I get so frustrated at times when I hear the news. I get so frustrated at times when I hear people going back and forth about this issue and that issue. And, you know, it just makes you want to, what, what's even the point? Well, let me tell you what helps us through that. And, and you've discovered this. It's the power of the Holy Spirit living within us saying, you are the one to make a difference in, those, in the world that's around you. You can do this. We have a choice to be a passive spectator or an active participant in this world. As a believer, you have that choice. You can either be a passive spectator or an active participant. Now, we're getting ready to come up on football season. Who's ready for some college football? Maybe you like NFL or high school football, whatever it is. We're getting ready to come up on football season. Here's one of the things that makes me laugh about football. Monday morning armchair quarterbacks. You know, well, if the coach would have done that, if the quarterback would have done that, what are these people doing? They're sitting down, they're just watching a game, and they know better how to do it. Another thing, Mike's not here this morning, but uh, he'll be here, I think, second service. Mike Hillman, you know, he, he had a truck race, and he was the crew chief. Uh, Thursday night was his race, is that right? Thursday night. Thursday night was his race, and, you know, they didn't win that particular race, but I think they had a pretty good finish that night. Fourth, yeah. Well, you probably had people saying, well, they could have finished if Mike would have made this call. You know, so there, there's, even, there's even couch crew chiefs that you'll hear, and being at, uh, at Stuart Haas, you know, during the week, I get to talk. I've gotten to know a couple of the crew chiefs, and so I'll follow them on Twitter, and you see people, well, Rodney, if you would have just done this to the four car, and Rodney will come back and give his thing, and I'll talk to him on Tuesday. I'm like, dude, man, people were... They 
they were giving you a hard time. Yeah, they were, but you know. And the reality is they're couch crew chiefs, you know, whatever it may be. And it can even invade the church. Well, if so-and-so would just act this way, if so-and-so would just do that, if I had given my delivery, a little, or if you would have given your delivery a little bit better, well, here's what God wants. He doesn't want passive spectators. He loves us, right? He still loves passive spectators, but he wants active participants. We knew we have that choice, which one we're going to be. Everyone has an opinion of how things should work without actually doing something about it from time to time. What the kingdom of God needs is an army of people participating in discipleship to make a difference. So let's break down Philippians 2 here, kind of open this up just a little bit. The church in this particular text that we're about to read, they had a few uh, characteristics that we're going to identify with, what, what Paul was writing to the Philippian church. The first thing that marks a believer who has been who has experienced a gospel transformation, okay? In other words, this is not something I could produce all myself, something only the Holy Spirit can truly do in me. The first thing that we're going to see is persistent faithfulness. Now, we can't just use the word faithfulness here, okay? We're talking persistent faithfulness. So let's open this up for a moment. He says there at the beginning, Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. The church followed Jesus, whether Paul was there with them or whether he was not. It was this persistent faithfulness that they had that said, I am going to follow after Jesus no matter what. No matter who's looking, we call this integrity too, right? I'm going to follow after Jesus. Something that's been uh, interesting, you guys know that for two and a half years I traveled with the ARCA Racing Series and uh, was there doing their chapel services in the garage. And I would walk up to a car or walk into a hauler or whatever it was, and, uh, or you know, it wasn't necessarily that, just out in public different places, uh, people would know that I was a pastor or whatever. And, and it was kind of a joking thing, but kind of a serious thing. Oh, here's a pastor, clean up your language. Here he comes, you know, be careful. Here, here. And you've probably experienced that too, maybe in your workplaces. Here comes Dwayne, he doesn't like us cussing, you know, let's, uh, let's kind of clean up what we're doing here. Um, this is what this is talking about. So it was kind of funny, not funny, that people would clean up their act, clean up their language when the preacher comes around. And here's what I'll tell them. You know what, really, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not the one who's going to be your judge, so I appreciate the respect that you're giving, but you know, there's a God who is holy. There's a God who's more concerned. And, and some of these folks were even believers as well, right? God is the one that really, you know, you want to please Him. And again, thank you for the respect. Well, here's the question. Do we look the same on Monday as we do on Sunday? I want you to look at your neighbor for a moment and say, man, you look good today. By the way, you guys look good today. You really do. Yeah, you look, you look really good today. We look good. I want you to ask them one more question. How do you plan on looking tomorrow? Because tomorrow's Monday. How do you plan on looking tomorrow? Obviously, the point that I'm bringing out here is our spiritual lives. We come in here and we want to worship God. Persistent faithfulness says, I'm going to worship God the same Monday through Saturday as I do on Sunday. That's persistent faithfulness. Persistence faithfulness is also marked by discipleship. Here's what discipleship is. This will be up on the screen. Discipleship is long obedience in the same direction. That's a quote from Eugene Peterson. Uh, 
Discipleship is long obedience in the same direction. That's an idea of, of faithfulness, isn't it? For a long time, I am going to be faithful. See, that's how we mark faithfulness in people as well. Folks who are, you know, wanting to become ministers, maybe the people who you have, for those of you who are employers or you hire people, you know, you want to see their long-term faithfulness. They can tell you all day long that they're faithful and they work out great the first week at work, but then they start to fall off. You've never had that happen with drivers, have you? You've never had any? Yeah, right? It probably happens. Faith, persistent faithfulness and discipleship is marked by that long obedience in one direction. And you can see in the life of someone that they have a track record, that they have a history of being faithful to the Lord. Now, of course, we celebrate the days at a time. You know, today, I held to my diet. Tomorrow, looking back, you know, the second day, I held to my diet, and it was good. Week two, I held to my diet. Week three, what diet? <laughs> was I, did I ever say I was going to be on a diet? You know, again, discipleship is long obedience in the same direction. Here's what I know about discipleship. It doesn't happen overnight. Man, I wish it did. But it doesn't. It, 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 takes, it takes a while. We, we've discussed this this whole year. Uh, if you'll remember, um, just talking to a few of the different folks that are around. Uh, Mr. Stowe has worked on cars for a long time. Longer than I've been alive. I just wanted to say that. Longer than I've been alive, he's been working on cars. Is that true? Yes. It is true. Okay. <laughs> now, did Mr. Stowe know as much about cars on day one that he knows now. Well, no. It took time. See, right now I'm fighting so hard because I want to say maybe he's forgotten a lot the older he's gotten. But anyway, that's the truth right there. Yeah. But it took time for him to learn, to develop, to grow, to know what cars are because new parts are coming out, right? There's things that we are discovering in our faith that it takes long persistence. It takes this idea of I'm going to be faithful day after day, after day, after day. And let's say I have a mess up one day. Let's say I fall off the diet plan. We're putting that in, 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 in quotes. You know what you do? The next day you get back up and say, God, help me to remain faithful. Lord, help me today to choose faithfulness. Faithfulness is measured over time. There's a study that was out that talked about the number one factor of spiritual growth is regular personal Bible study. We have our little bookmarks in the back. We have the, uh, the Bible app that's on the phone. It's actually not ours. There's a Bible app on the phone that you can keep track each day of reading through the Bible, and it helps you to be able to do that. Set reminders to say, have you read your Bible today? We can do all those type of things with the technology that we have. But the number one factor of spiritual growth is regular personal Bible study. The world needs consistent Christians who are rooted in the Spirit. Turn with me to 1 Peter 1, chapter 4. And again, keep your finger there in Philippians, okay? Because we'll be back there in just a moment. 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. We're going to expound on this idea, just a little bit of persistent faithfulness. 
It says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Do not slip back in your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. See, here's the thing with discipleship and persistent faithfulness. Discipleship is just not a Sunday practice. It's a daily process. I encourage you daily pray, daily be in the word, daily be faithful. Have that long-term idea of this is my goal. What is my goal? It's heaven and to be with Jesus. I was just reading about that in Hebrews, I think, yesterday. When heaven is my aim, when heaven is my goal, it helps me to live a holy life today because I'm not thinking about what's going on just now, what's going on in my day today. That's important. But if I'm focused on that, sin doesn't matter. Uh, consequences don't really matter. We'll get over those. But I want, man, my... My aim is Jesus. My aim is heaven, and I want to be faithful to that. Second thing, intentional effort. This is our part. Verse 12b says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now, this does not say work for your salvation. This does not say work toward your salvation. It says work hard to show the results of your salvation. Because we know that salvation is not a works-based thing. I cannot work my way into God's favor. I cannot work my way for salvation and to be saved. You cannot work hard enough to earn salvation. But it says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Grace, the grace of God, is not opposed to effort. We are to put forth an effort in being holy. We are to put forth an effort into pleasing God. So while grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. We're not talking about you earning your salvation today. We're talking about the effort to show Jesus saved me and I want to live a life that pleased him that pleases him. That's what I want to do. It's that intentional effort to please the Lord. It's that intentional effort to show others that, yeah, I accepted Jesus, and it's not just a thing I did. It's a life that I live. Work hard to show the results of. Jesus did the work on the cross for our salvation, and we labor to live out the truth so that when our friends come over and they see the peace that is, our home, that is in our home, let me tell you, Peace in your home between, I'm married, some of you are married, right? Peace in our home, it takes effort. Stasha and I are different. We have different opinions. Um, hers is right most of the time, right? Most all the time, hers is right. I think mine is right. You know, Nathan thinks his is right. Gabe thinks his is right. It takes work. It takes effort. The same as in our, our relationship uh, with the Lord. We labor to live out the truth. Intentional effort. I'll just read Colossians 1.28 to you, but if you're taking notes, Colossians 1.28 through 29, it's on the screen. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That is why I work and struggle so hard to earn my salvation? No, it doesn't say that. I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me so that I can show other people Jesus. That's that intentional effort. I'm putting forth the effort to show why salvation has been so good, why Jesus is so good. This verse here shows that our labor and warning to others isn't so that we earn salvation. We labor and work to tell others about the grace that we found, about the peace that we have found, about the, um, 
man, during the times that are difficult, how we can make it through because God has given me a peace which surpasses all understanding to guard my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. It's intentional effort that I want to show forth. And that gospel transformation that Paul wrote to the Philippian church 2,000 years ago is the same today. He's saying uh, persistent faithfulness, put forth intentional effort, and the third thing is a radical reliance. While you work hard to show the results, the last part of verse 12 says, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. It's a radical reliance that we're talking about. This is talking about a seriousness in our discipleship process. You know, it's easy to give your life to Jesus. It really is. We've gone fishing. That's what we were talking about. The salvation message is so simple. It's so easy to understand. We just have to receive. We have to accept it, right? That can be the difficult part. But that's, that's the easy part. But it's this discipleship process that says, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to see how I can show out this life-changing thing that he did for me at work, at home, in my neighborhood, when I'm out with friends. A radical reliance is the only way that we can do that because we have the Holy Spirit who is helping us. Something I've found over time, and maybe you've found this as well, you can agree or disagree with this, but discipleship happens best in difficult times. Think about that for a moment. Discipleship happens best in difficult times. Even sharing your faith happens best in difficult times. I've found that to be true, just ministering out in the community, uh, the different places that I go. Um, here's what a typical day looks for me when I go to the race shop on, on a Tuesday. You know, Dwayne doesn't know the Lord, but I've known Dwayne for two years. And I go up to him, hey, Dwayne, I just want to check in on you, let you know that, you know, I'm here for you. If you need anything, how are things going? Oh, things are going good. All right, man. Well, um, anyway, you know that we're here. We're praying for you, whatever. So we go to different people. Two years, this one particular guy, two years went by that I would go up to this guy and I would talk to him. And finally, one day I went up to him and I was like, hey, man, how are things going? He just looked at me and started getting emotional. He says, not good. My mom's not expected to make it. But you know, because I understood this radical reliance upon, on, upon the Lord about um, him going through a difficult time and how God can really reach places, reach, reach people in those places, at that moment, it was very easy to talk about the goodness of God and Jesus and to let him know, hey, you know, God cares for you. He wants you more than anything. And there was, there was an openness and there was a receptivity at that moment to to what the Lord had to say to him. So yeah, discipleship, bringing people to the Lord, it does. It happens best in difficult times. Because the Christian life isn't always about the mountain hot, mountaintop highs. I wrote this note down from Ed Stetzer. If we disciple people only on the mountaintops, we will lose them in the valleys. Because they'll begin to answer, ask these questions like, where is God? I've asked that from time to time. Where is God? But here's what I have come to know over time, that he is there. He is there. And there may be moments where I feel like I'm, you know, where, God, where are you during this time? I can look back after those moments are, have gone and, and he's been there the whole time. Sometimes he's waiting on me. Sometimes he's allowing something to happen and develop within me, right? But he's always there. So I want to practice radical reliance upon God to where in the dark times where I may not feel him, I know that he's there because I am radically relying upon him. I've met many folks who have had their faith rocked because they didn't understand the difficult times. 
in those moments, we must rely on God even when it doesn't make sense. Some of you have faced those. We've been able to walk together through that, and I'm thankful for the relationship where we could do that. Philippians 1.6 says this. This is, by the way, this is probably one of my favorite verses because my youth pastor uh, wrote this in my Bible. First Bible I think I received as a teenager. Um, I had, you know, some as a kid and everything, but my first, I guess you would say, grown-up Bible coming into youth group. And he wrote this verse. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. My end goal, as we said earlier, is heaven. I want to see Jesus. And for me to make it through, for me to show other people how to make it through even the difficult times, I've got to, we have got to radically rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the early believers 2,000 years ago, their gospel transformation was realizing that I can count on God. Today, we have to realize we can count on God. We can rely upon Him. Ed said this as well, trying to become like Jesus without the power of Jesus dishonors Jesus. Wow, look at that. Trying to become like Jesus without the power of Jesus dishonors Jesus. If I want to become more like him, I mean, my good, how in the world can any of us be like Jesus? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit where he calls us, as we read earlier, to be holy because I'm holy. God, I can't be holy before you. I'm a sinful person. You know, there's a, well, with the power of God each and every day, I radically rely upon him. And I want to honor Jesus, so I need to walk in his power. Radical reliance. Four, Christ-like transformation. Let me just say this. We need more people like Jesus. I need to be more like Jesus. You need to be more like Jesus. And we all have a long way to go. We do. Some of you look at your neighbor and you say, amen, it's true. You have a long way to go. You know what? We all have a long way to go. Verse 14 and 15 from Philippians that we read says this. Let me just remind us. Do everything without complaining and arguing. I think he's talking to us there. <laughs> I was in on a meeting this past week, and it kind of turned into that. And I'm like, can we stop? So that no one can criticize you. That's why. Don't argue and complain. Why is that? So that no one can, can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Let the character of Jesus be produced in you. Because here's what I know. I'm easily drawn to negativity. If I hear, you know, Nathan and Gabe over here, <coughs> excuse me, if I hear Nathan and Gabe over here, and they're kind of whispering back and forth, and they're, you know, they're pointing at Hannah, I'm drawn to say, ooh, what are they saying about Hannah? We're, we're kind of drawn to that, aren't we? What's, what's, the latest, what's the latest dirt on Matt and Amanda? What, what's going on with Matt and Amanda? You know, he's, he spent a whole lot of time at that karate place. You know, what's, what's going on with... We're drawn to the negative, aren't we? It's not karate, I know, is part of the humor there. What's that? I got to get it right if I'm going to do it. Well, that's part of the gossip. You know, you, you can't be wrong if it's gossip. Here's the thing. Let the character of Jesus be produced in you and me because we're easily drawn to the negative. We have to work at not being negative and complaining. Here's the thing as well. Here's another thing. Love people. 
Oh, that can be hard sometimes. Anybody, raise a hand. No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Jamie, I saw that hand. <laughs> it was, I, I'm, I have no problem telling you. It's hard to love people sometimes, certain people. It's, it's, I ain't going to lie. It's hard to love certain people. Love them where they are in their faith walk as well. Maybe they're a new believer. They're not doing things the way that you would do it. Love them. Don't be so quick. And this is something that I had learned from my mentor that I've worked on. And I feel that I'm okay with this. But don't be so quick to write people off. I want to believe in people. I get criticized for that sometimes too. I, you, you get criticized for it as well, right? We get criticized for these things. Don't be so quick to write people off. Jesus didn't write off Peter. You know, Jesus didn't write off some of the disciples and the stupid things that they did. Love people. This involves Christ-like transformation. Do we look like our Father? Another question when we talk about Christ-like transformation. Do we look like our Father? Because we know that Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The older I get the more I realize that I physically have taken on some of my dad's features. Now, you know I didn't grow up with my dad, all that kind of stuff. But I'm taking on some of those features as I get older, the lack of hair. My brother was over yesterday afternoon, and for those of you who are we're friends on, did I put it on Facebook? I think I put it on Facebook. My brother and I, oh my gosh, we look so much alike, and he's ugly, right? And so... <laughs> I, I'm, I, I put on there my caption, Mr. Stowe, was I got the looks and he got the brains. I've always told him that, you know, because he's smart. My brother's very smart. Um, but we look so much alike. And then you put us beside a, a picture of our dad. And I, I do. I look like my dad. Nathan, I am so sorry, son. <laughs> this, Gabe. Now, fortunately, Nathan has a lot of his mom's looks, too. So that may be your saving salvation, buddy. That you have uh, some of that. You too, Gabe. That's just ho keep hope alive that you develop more to be like your mom. But do we look like our Father? Romans 8, 28. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to be like His Son, so that the Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Jesus looked like His dad, and He's called us to do the same thing. Do I look like my father? That's that Christ-like transformation. And be an obvious difference. This is the last thing we'll, we'll talk about. An obvious difference. Verse 15b, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Do we shine in the world? Is there a difference? How will we walk in these days? Are your morals your life choices different than the customs and practices of the world. Here's what I know, and Ed brought this point out, and I gave a resounding amen in my spirit with this, but Christianity is being clarified. What does that mean? He made this point just statistic-wise. It looks like the church is declining around the world, if you look. Now, certain places it's increasing, certain places it's declining. But Ed took on the stance of this, that Christianity is being clarified. It looks like we're declining, but there really is a weeding out. Because there's a standard that God does have. Are we saved by grace through faith? Absolutely. But he's calling for an obvious difference in our life. Does my life look different from the world's life? How am I teaching my children? 
is my life reflecting this word, my choices reflecting this word so that my kids can follow me? And then they're presented before the Father as clean and holy and pure. It's an obvious difference. And God is calling us to this. You know, the, 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 the choices that I made as a young adult and as a teenager, which again, you know, I wasn't a, I didn't, I mean, I didn't do it. I, I never went to prison or anything. You know, I didn't do anything that would warrant me going to prison, thank God. <laughs> but, you know, let's say I did. I want to warn my kids against that stuff. Those who follow, does my life now, not, not then, does my life now reflect Jesus? Does my life now reflect his word? The text that I got said something along those lines. There's, there's something different that doesn't reflect everything that I'm going back home to. It's different. Praise God for that. Let your life be different. As long as it's reflecting the word of God, right? Some of you are a little strange. You may say, David, you're really strange. Praise God, I know. So there's some areas that has nothing to do with this, the word and all that. They just make, We all have our little quirks. We must shine. Those who allow themselves to be transformed by the Spirit will shine and bring others to Jesus. Which side of this clarification will you be found on? When it comes to... Christianity being clarified today. Can we stand this morning? This transformation written about 2,000 years ago, this gospel transformation that was written about in Philippians is what transforms us today. Church, I want to encourage you to seek the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you can do this. It's the only way you can stand in this generation that we're living in. And when I say this generation, really it's been forever, right? This, this age, this day that we live in. Read through the Old Testament. Read through the New Testament. Man, some of their morals were way worse than ours today within the church. Paul had to write, you know, why is it that you're with your mother-in-law? Yeah, I'll just kind of say, there were some crazy things going on then. That's in the Bible. Right? You know, so it's, it's not that today is any worse. But I want to be a shining example. I, want, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life that pleases God. How I do that is being persistent in my faith day after day. I want to encourage you, church. Tomorrow is Monday. You've heard me say this before. Monday is not a bad day. If your attitude says it is, then it is. Monday's a great day because I get to take everything I've learned today and take it to work with me tomorrow. Take it to my neighborhood tomorrow and be a difference. Mondays are great. Fridays are good too. Everybody's thankful for Friday, absolutely. Be intentional in your effort. Pray, read your Bible every day. Seek after Jesus. Rely upon Jesus like never before in the good and the bad times. Let Christ transform you so that you look like your Father. And let your life be an obvious difference. Dwayne's going to be here to pray. He's going to pray us out here in just a few moments. Um, but one of these areas today may have just struck something in you. And you think, you know what, I need, man, I need help in this area. 
That's what church is all about. You know what you can do as well? Yes, please come and see Dwayne. But you can even turn to your neighbor and say, you know what, can you help me pray in this area? You can call somebody, man, I'm struggling today. I need some help. Our number's on the back of the bulletin. Call us. I think the elders' numbers are back there. Me and Stasha, our numbers are back there. Someone who's a good friend of yours who you know is a believer, give them a call. So that your life is an obvious difference. So that gospel transformation is happening in your life. But anyway, they'll be here to pray with you and um, to encourage you in those areas. Also, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, that's where gospel transformation begins. Right, Dwayne? It's got to begin at some point. And that's, you know, Lord, I recognize that I've been a sinful person and that you sent your Son, the Son of God. You've sent him to die in my place on the cross. Um, and, and I acknowledge him as the son of God that he died for me. And I want to choose life today. I want the life of Christ to reign in me. Dwayne's going to be here to pray for you in that area as well. What that's going to look like, he's going to dismiss. We say this, I say this a lot lately, but everybody's going to be walking out. And you're just going to walk to the front. And you say, Dwayne, thank you for being here to pray today. I, I need Jesus in my life. So you need Jesus. You need one of these areas. I, I just got to be more committed to the Lord. Can you pray with me? Can you keep me accountable? Let it happen. That's why we're here. That's church. That's church. So, Dwayne, Stasha and I will see you at the back. We love you.